Today's Hope FM Drive Show is brought to you by Spring Harvest, bringing the whole church together to worship, learn and share. For the latest news and events, visit springharvest.org. Well, I'm very pleased to welcome to the show Olivia Amate, who is the head of Elam Churches in the UK. Um, thank you for joining us, Olivia, and uh, I hope you're having a great time here at Spring Harvest. Good to be here. Um, it's amazing, isn't it? It's a great atmosphere. It's great to be back together um, with all the churches worshipping. Now, not all our listeners will be familiar with Elam because it, it, people, well, it's sort of like a modern church that's also got a history as well. Yes. Can you just tell us just a little bit about what, what is the Elam Church? So the Elim Church is a movement of churches started back um, in the early 1900s, actually. Um, and it's been there ever since. It's a Pentecostal church. We call it a movement rather than a group of churches. Um, but all uh, with a Pentecostal evangelical base, um, wanting to show the love of God from its founders right the way through now to... Um, to its general superintendent and the churches there. We're into church planting, sharing the love of Christ through our churches, social action, all of those things. So um, we're probably not as large as some of the other churches out there, but we're certainly a uh, punch above our weight for a s- relatively small denomination. A small denomination. So how many churches are in Elam? About 500. Okay. So, well, that's, <laughs> not that small That's then. not that small, 500. <laughs> that's, that's quite a large number of churches to be overall it responsible is, yeah. for, isn't it? So, okay. Uh, and... Pentecostal. Now, not everyone will know what the word Pentecostal means, so I guess people might have said that sort of it's a black church thing or things like that. But Elam Church is is not a black majority church. No, it isn't a black majority church. It's uh, it's white majority church, yeah. largely. Um, but Pentecostal is the gifts of the Spirit. We we do believe that. You know, we very much uh, believe that Jesus has restored His gifts to us and we operate in those um, and you can find Elim churches all over the place in the countryside in the large uh, cities on the lo- in the large conurbations UK Northern Ireland as well as other places over the world as well we do lots of missions so we've got missionaries you know all over the globe wow okay mm. so uh, that's that's interesting and you talk about the gifts of the spirit there uh, the Holy Spirit can you just for listeners at home who are not sure what you would mean by that. Could you just explain a little bit? Yeah, so uh, the Bible tells us that once we become Christians, uh, that God does something remarkable, and I love this, that he gives us a gift. It's just a special thing just for us, isn't it? Um, And that gift can be anything. It can be uh, the gift of hospitality or sharing your home with someone, the gift of speaking, um, the gift of talking to others, speaking a, a word of, uh, of encouragement to others. So it gives you, uh, the individual, something that, um, that's, uh, that through which he can work to bless others, especially others uh, both within the church and outside the church as well. And I just love the fact that God looks at your personality and he thinks, I know what I'll give Olivia, I'll give her this, because she'll be good at that. And therefore we spend our lives and our, our relationship with God finding out what that is and uh, and using those gifts in every circumstance that God places us in. Well, that sounds the very opposite of frightening because I know sometimes people are a bit frightened about the Holy Spirit-y thing and, the, the, and some churches, uh, like your style of church, some people might describe us as happy clappy. Um, now, I, I, you see, I, I actually personally, if someone said that I was happy clappy, I would take that as a compliment because yeah. I think I probably am happy clappy. I like to clap and I like to be happy. Yeah. So it's not, it's not necessarily... 
Well, I think often it's meant a little bit derogatory, but but I'll, I'll take it as a compliment. So your church is, and obviously you're very sincere about the Bible, uh, you're very sincere about God. Well, is the style across Elim churches quite similar, or is it quite broad? Uh, what would you expect if you walked yeah. in at Elim church? So it, it's broad, and it depends on the congregation. So you will go to some churches where the style is a little bit more um, more conservative, Um I don't know any churches of our churches have got organs or whatever, but it's a little bit more conservative. And then you'll go to some other churches where we use contemporary worship songs, where the happy clappy <laughs> thing may may come into that, where we love to raise our hands and rejoice and just thank God for his goodness. So there isn't one size fits all. We don't have a particular brand of worship. It's very much dependent on the congregation. So you can imagine a congregation that's got more young people, um, may may be a little bit different, more contemporary style of music, including rap, including other things, uh, drill, for example, um, than other churches where the people may be slightly older who probably like to sing um, more um, conservative songs or even hymns. So, so the older generation are not into drill? Well, I like drill, so because my oh. son's into it. So. Oh, you're so cool. <laughs> keeping myself young, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and looking very well on it. So that's, that's great. Okay. So uh, for people at home who are going, what's drill music? It's it's down with the youth. I think it's fair to say it's not it's down it, with the kids. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. it's it's definitely um, it's definitely full on music. Some of it's really really quite creative. My son yes. also sometimes yeah. uh, has listened to a bit of drill music. So anyway, but it's also got a bad a bad press as well. Yes. There's lots of drill yes. music is is associated yeah. with gangs and knife Absolutely. crime and all of that. So are there any Christian artists operating in sort of that same space that you're aware of? Well. I'm the wrong person to ask. So although I'm down with the kids, I have no idea who's contemporary. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> I so, like the music, but I don't. Um, I don't often know who the the, the so you most listen, you current listen to, no. artists are. Yeah, that's but I do. I, I, what I am grateful for is that God uses all styles of music. I remember when I was growing up in church. Um, I come from a Caribbean background. My parents are Caribbean. I was born in the UK. And we would never have reggae playing in the church. That was the devil's music, you know, associated Uh with Bob Marley and other and drug taking and all sorts of things. But now, you know, you can go into a church and play reggae. God, God um, uses all styles of music to reach everyone, doesn't he? And I and I love that. Yeah, absolutely, he can. And it's amazing some of the different musicians coming in through um, into all sorts of different styles. Styles that. I'm not really even familiar with because of the newer Absolutely. stuff that comes, but it's but yes. it's, but it, they're actually ministering God's love in yes. those situations, yeah. which, which is wonderful. So, can I ask how long have you been the head of Elam? Um, so, when we say the head of, um, let me just because my boss might may sack me for this. So, I'm um, the executive director, and the way it works is that we have the movement has a general superintendent who's Chris Cartwright, and my role is to be the executive director for the Elim movement or the Elim group of churches, which means that I'm responsible for all the strategic and business operations, all the charity compliance, all the all the the boring stuff, I suppose, in some ways, but really exciting stuff because by doing that, making sure we've got the right strategies in place, the right regulations in place, it means that we can direct our resources to the places that it needs to be for the good of the kingdom. You need those people. Yeah. You need people like it's a ministry in itself. And so I love working with the leadership team um, to be able to affect that and to do what's right for our movement, especially as we, we go forward into the next decade. Wow. Okay. So you're the person who gets an awful lot of things done that have to be done that 
perhaps lots of other people go, I've got no idea how to achieve this. Absolutely. So, yes. okay, and make, yeah. sure it, make sure it all works properly. Well, that sounds like a challenge and a half. Uh, how long have you been doing it for? Four years. Four, wait a second, four years. Nearly so you, coming up to four years. So yeah, I can't believe that. Yeah, time, time's flying, but that means half of your time was during the pandemic. Absolutely. Which would have been a whole whole load a of stuff you wouldn't want thing. to say. A yeah. whole other thing. There's yeah. an unexpected moment. Yeah. But your background's in the NHS, isn't it? That's right. So, so I, I guess it's out of the frying pan into the fire because both things, and the, the church was shut down for physically meeting. The NHS was having to do a thousand one things. So, up. yeah, yeah. And it, it was it was crazy in both situations. I'm sure. What are the things that you learnt in the NHS that you've brought into the church? Then I'm so glad you asked me that question. Um, I was I started my life in the NHS as a radiographer. So for those who don't know, it's X-rays really, diagnostic X-rays. You break a leg, I'm the one who will put a, an x-ray place underneath it find out where the break is that kind of thing and then from there um i went on to the management training scheme management training scheme is essentially a place or, or, or a course that it attracts the best um graduates if you like so that they can train them to be the leaders of the nhs within 10 years Wow, that's really important to, to say that because I just think God's got a sense of humour with that. So you know, I I was a radiographer, went onto the management training scheme, and in over those two years as being part of that management training scheme, you get the best input management training ever. It's like access all areas, the places I've been. I worked in the states. I did everything. All of this was to get the knowledge so that I could come back and therefore be um, a leader within the NHS. And that's what I did. Started to build my career, get to a senior executive position. And then God calls me into the Elim, uh, uh, Elim organization. Yeah. And I remember umming and ahhing about this. Is this the place to go? But I realize now that all those skills, all those things that I'd, um, that I'd assimilated over those years, and that was many years being a senior leader. And, I, and of course, I wanted to be a chief exec of something. I wanted to do that. That that ambition hadn't died, but God just diverted it and yeah. put it in somewhere else where I can serve him and the kingdom much more so. So there's loads of transferable skills that I bring. Business skills, uh, you know, business acumen, uh, finance, all of those things I've been used to because I've been dealing with millions and millions and millions of pounds in the NHS. And here I am being able to deal with perhaps not so many millions but I have the strategy. I know what that's like. I know how to, to deliver a good uh, service for, for our congregants, really. So, so that's been quite good. So God's training ground for you was, was the NHS. And, and you served Absolutely. in that faithfully for years and years. Yes. And then God's called you into this, this new thing these, these past four years. So, okay, well, what's, if you don't mind me asking, what's been the thing that's been most challenging for you that you've had to be on your knees praying for since joining Elam? Since joining Elam. Um, I think... The most challenging thing is, is looking at the organisation because when you come into an organisation, um, the NHS has taught me the first thing you do is you do almost like a reconnaissance. What's good? What's not so good? What needs to go? What needs to stay? How can we rebuild it? All of those sort of things. And when I looked at our organisation, I recognised that there were a number of things that we needed to improve upon. Um, the thing is, how do you do it when we're so lean? Um, and so the challenge was, how do we do that in a timely way that doesn't ostracise the staff, that makes them feel valued, but also moves us from being a family organisation 
to being a much more professional one. So, you know, what, what happens in organisations is that you just, you build and you add, add another person, you add another ministry, you add another thing. Um, but sometimes they're in silos. They don't actually coalesce together. There is no strategy about why we do something. Mm. So asking the why questions with fresh eyes allowed me to think through some of the things that we needed to improve and then to draw up the strategy about how we do that. And so that's a rolling programme and I'm looking at about a few years to be able to turn it round so that by the time I hand on my position to someone else, we're in a much better position to be much more lithe, much more flexible, much more agile um, as an organisation. Okay, it sounds like quite a challenge, but uh, it sounds like, well, in fact, looking at you, I can see some of you enjoy a challenge, don't you? So. I do, I do. And, and I think, again, it's the goodness of God in all of that. When you work in the NHS, you have to learn how to flex on a sixpence. You have to know how to pivot things and to turn. So there is no crisis in the NHS that I haven't particularly dealt with, you know, because, um, you know, it could be a patient uh, that's, that's had a, an accident and you could be being sued or it could be an MP that calls you up to find out why Mrs Jones hasn't had a hip surgery when she's been on the waiting list for five years. You know, it's, it's, it's those things. So you learn how to, how to handle that, how to handle the media, how to, how to deal with crises. Uh, and so um, nothing phases me. So I've learned that, you know, you, you get your head down, you make a strategy, you get people on side, you build a team and you work towards an outcome. Well, wow, okay. I've, I've got to say, you sound like an amazing person to work alongside because I like the fact it, nothing nothing faces you. It's a challenge for you. You just get and get stuck in and deal with it. So, and in some ways, before you were dealing with life and death in the NHS and decisions being made are that for some people, but also in in the church, we're dealing with people's eternal situation and and for people they need to know God's love and they need to know that He can solve all of the issues that. Not necessarily the way people want issues solved, but he can come in and, and be the answer to actually the main questions that people have in Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Now, there's going to be listeners right now who would say, well, I don't really know much about faith. I'm just thinking about it, maybe. In maybe about a minute, could you tell them what are the most important things they need to know at this moment? I think people all over the world, where, wherever you are, whether you're a Christian, and especially if you're seeking, need someone to know them. And I think that's what we seek. And some of us seek it through sex, through drugs, through something. We, we, we're looking for an acceptance or for love, um, for something that validates who we are as individuals, as people, as a person. It's that being seen and being known that someone who truly knows me and tr- truly loves me. That's why love is, you know, be for sale, isn't it? We've got dating apps. We've got all sorts of things trying to find that perfect person. And we ask all these questions, and I found that no matter what the question is, the answer, I know it sounds a bit twee, turns out that it's there, he's there all the time. It's in the sense of a person, that person is Jesus, and that he loves us so much that he was willing to come and take my place so that I can find the answers that I need. And by knowing that, and you, you know, once you become a Christian, it doesn't matter how long it takes you are on an adventure with him through all the topsy-turviness of life, you know, the ups and downs of what life is. But you've always got that seam, that current running through that Jesus answers and is there all the time. And I've discovered that. Now, have I been a great Christian? Not all the time. Have I got it right? No. There's been many times that I've made so many mistakes and I'm quite open about my vulnerability in that. 
But one thing I do know is that Jesus loves us. And for any listeners out there, he loves you and is only a breath away. Really, it's just just calling his name or just saying, please help me, Lord. Some of us have had to do, uh, you know, just by becoming a Christian, we've said, Jesus, please help me. And and suddenly he, he's there with, when we've got a sincere heart. You know, it would be lovely if you were happy to pray for people right now who might want to respond to what you've just shared and that they might be able to receive Jesus for themselves. More than happy to do so. So, Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you hear us. Lord, there are many listeners who are hearing this for the first time. They may have heard it many, many times, but they're asking some key questions of life. What am I doing here? Where do I belong? Who am I? Where do I go? What do I do next? How do I manage this particular situation? Lord, would you make yourself present in their lives now? May they know that you are so near. You've said that you are near to every one of us. And so, Lord, I pray that for all of those who are asking this question, that they may know that all they have to do is say, Jesus, please show me who I am. Please make yourself real to me and you will do it because you said so. So Lord, we pray that those questions will be answered once, these, uh, once people discover who you are. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. 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 If you're listening home and you're thinking, oh, I would like to try going to church, just pop along to www.findachurch.co.uk. There are many great churches that would love you to find out more about God's amazing love. So if people are thinking about maybe finding out about an Elim church, you've inspired them in that direction, where, where would people go to, to look up more about Elim? Yeah, we're on the net, www.elim.org.uk, or just type in Elim. Easy Elim Pentecostal find. Churches, and it will come up with a number of churches, and you can find, there's a church finder, you can find one near you. If failing that, just call the head office and someone will be really pleased to help you. Wonderful. It sounds like people get a warm welcome for sure if they turned up. So wherever they are on their faith journey, it it sounds like a a good opportunity. Well, thank you very much indeed, uh, Livia Amati from Elim UK for joining us today on Hope FM. God bless you. Thank you. Today's Hope FM Drive Show is brought to you by Spring Harvest, bringing the whole church together to worship, learn and share. For the latest news and events, visit springharvest.org.